Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred words of the Bible. Each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, time to jump in. You know what we do. We read, we pray, change the world. So we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3. We're going to be reading what is arguably the most important 11 verses in the entire Bible. Today, you picked a good day. If you just jumped in today to... uh, Morning prayer, you picked a great day because we're, we're going to, it's arguably uh, uh, that we are going to be reading the most important 11 verses in the entire Bible in the next few minutes. In Romans chapter three. So, yeah, so let's, let's get to it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Linda. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're a part of uh, today's reading. It's awesome. Um, Romans chapter three. So just a really quick review of where we've been. Basically, Paul began saying that, you know, we're all without excuse. There's not, you know, none of us are, none of us are are justified. We haven't really so far. We, he's shown that by the, on the basis of natural revelation and on the basis of the word of God, we have not kept the law. So even if all we had was natural revelation, if all we had was just our conscience, we haven't completely even obeyed our conscience of right and wrong. Additionally, when it comes to the word of God, even Israel, who had God's word, um, were guilty of not always keeping the word. So based on just those two things already, uh, Paul has shown that we we haven't necessarily. Well, not necessarily. We haven't. uh, We haven't kept God's law. We haven't kept it. Uh, So in chapter three, he's going to drive it on home in chapter three, the first. 20 verses, he's going to show us how basically all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. But the good news is the most important 11 verses in the Bible follow that, where he's going to bring the dead to life theologically. Here we go. You ready? This is awesome. This is awesome. Did I mention that? Awesome chapter. Romans chapter three. What advantage then? Is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Remember, previously, Paul has talked to the Jews and he says, you're just as guilty as the Gentiles. Uh, We are we because he's a Jew. We are just as guilty as the Gentiles. We're we're not any in any. We're no we're no better morally than they are. We have the advantage of having the word of God, but morally we're we're, we're no better than they are. And so the, the natural logical question to that that, you know, follows that is. Well, then what advantage is it? What about that whole Old Testament thing? What about the people of Israel carrying the word of God? What about all of that? Is that or is, is there is there no advantage to being Israel? Verse two. There's much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. There's an advantage. You've had the word of God. Verse three, what if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. So if um, 
if the fact that Israel, who had the word of God, were not able to be faithful, doesn't that just say that it's impossible, that God's not faithful? Doesn't it just emphasize that it doesn't it doesn't work? God's like, no. Paul's like, no, that's not that's not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you ask and prevail when you judge. God is true. God is just. God, God is um, in every each and every circumstance. Verse five. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness clear, more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? Like, aren't we doing God a favor? Like if we're unjust and it only our, our un, unjustness, <laughs> if our unjustness only emphasizes God's justice, aren't we doing a favor to God by accentuating his goodness? Like if you have a sibling, like if you're the bad, bad sibling, the bad child, <laughs> and you're like, aren't I just doing a service to the good child by being so horrible? All I'm doing is accentuating how awesome Johnny is. So let and you know, Lord, Lord knows there's some families like that now. Mm-mm. Little Johnny crazy. He's like, I'm just doing a favor to everybody. I'm just no, 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 no. That's not how it works, Johnny. That's not how it works. But that's what they're saying. Like, if, if our unrighteousness just accentuates God's righteousness, aren't we doing God a favor? That God is unjust in bringing wrath against us. I am using a human argument, Paul saying. I'm using regular, you know, typical human reasoning here. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? God doesn't need our wickedness to be just. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need doesn't need human wickedness to participate and somehow contribute or help him out. No. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Some might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, that's why some people like to hang out with dumb people, because it makes them look smart. <laughs> oh, it's like, man, why you hang out with all them knuckleheads? Because it makes me look intelligent. When I hang out with knuckleheads, it makes me look smart. That's why. It's the same argument. It's the same argument. Like, if my unrighteousness only accentuates God's righteousness, then shouldn't I just be more unrighteous? If my falsehood only enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I condemned? I'm helping God out. Why would God condemn me when I'm only helping to accentuate his glory by my ungodliness? Verse 8. Why not say, as some slanderous, slanderously claim, that we say, let us do evil, that good may result. Their condemnation is just. Paul's saying, you totally don't get it. If that's, if that's the way your comprehension, your understanding of relationship with God, you know, it's sort of, um, you, you're totally missing the point of a relationship with God. If you think it's about trying to, you know, how unholy can I be to accentuate the glory of God? You're, you're, you've totally missed who you're, who you are as a creation of God. You've totally missed God's expectation of us, and it really missed who God is altogether. And that last verse, their condemnation is just. Some more um, uh, less uh, couth 
interpreters have said, you can go to hell. That's how they've interpreted that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how they interpreted it. I'm not telling you that's how it should be interpreted. I'm saying that is the meaning. Their condemnation is just. That's what it means. It's like you totally missed it. Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage, Jewish people? Do we have any advantage at all? Or do we have what, what, what shall we conclude? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. So what is Paul saying? Like, wait, 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 wait. I thought you said we did have an advantage. Now we don't have an advantage. Here's what Paul's saying. We have the advantage, the benefit of having the word of God as Jewish people. We've, he says, you know, Paul's Jewish. We've, we've had that advantage um, of being close to the holy things of God. But we've had no, we're, we're not morally advantaged. We're no more moral than the Gentiles. We've had the advantage of having the word of God, access. We've had the advantage of access to truth, but we have not, but we aren't advantaged in terms of morality. Just like there are cultures today, right? We have so many advances scientifically, so many, so many uh, advances technologically. Um, do we have, is it, is there any advantage to living in the 21st century? And is there any advantage to living today? Yeah, there's lots of advantages. You can, you can literally, like we're doing a Bible podcast right now, Bible morning devotion virtually. There's a, there's a great, that's a tremendous benefit. None of us had to drive. Some of you wearing your PJs. Some of you like, I ain't never letting nobody see me like this. I'm glad this camera go one way. <laughs> right, right. That's an advantage to that people. There's an advantage to that. But are, is, are people today any more moral than people in the day of Jesus or any more moral than the people in uh, Abraham's day in the Old Testament? No, there's no moral advantage. There's some technological advantages. There's some bio some uh, uh, some uh, some scientific advantages for sure. But there's no moral advantage. That's Paul's point. Part of Paul's point. So what shall we conclude then? Okay, I already read that. Verse 10, as it is written, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Remember that one. Romans 3.10, you got to memorize that one. There is how many righteous? There's none righteous. No, not one. That's Paul's point. Main point. There's none who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have, all, all, all have turned away. Wait, Jew, Gentile, all of them have turned away. They've come to, they've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. Their poisonous viper, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace, they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Hmm. Did you see what Paul did? He's just showing. He's showing. He goes from the, from the head to the feet. You don't, They don't think right. They don't talk right. Their hearts aren't right. They don't walk right. They don't love God. We don't. As a human, human, human beings, we don't default to love God. We default to put ourselves first and to ignore God. And Paul says the law is given. You know what the law does? The law just accentuates. It just, it just draws attention to the fact that we don't measure up. Now, is the problem with the law? No, the problem's not with the law. The problem is, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, the 
It's like the, the guardrails on a, on, a, on, a, on a road. If you run off the road, is it the guardrail's fault? No. The guardrail will tell you it's dangerous over here. It's dangerous on this side, but people still, people still, you know, run off the road, go too fast, whatever, ignore the signs. So Paul's saying, you're not going to be declared by the, by the law. You're not, you that, that there's, the law is not going to justify you. You're not going to be religious enough. You're not going to do enough religious deeds. You're not going to, you're not going to be good enough. No matter how good we think we are, we aren't good enough. As we say many times, you know, if, if, if we if we think we get into heaven by being good, well, what I want to know is how good do you have to be? Do you have to be just better than 50 percent of the people? Do you have to be in the top 10 percent? What's what's the scale? What's the scale? What What's the measurement? If all I have to do is be good to get into heaven, well, how good do I have to be? Do I have to be just better than the worst one percent? Like I just don't have to be Hitler. Is that all it takes? Because that's what all people always say. Well, I ain't no Hitler. Is that all it takes? Is that all it takes? You just don't have to be Hitler. That's a pretty low standard. <laughs> I'm no, I'm no Hitler. Now I'm no Mother Teresa, but I'm no Hitler. So, so that's where you got. You just got to be somewhere in between the the top one percent and somewhere between the low one percent. So somewhere in there, that ninety eight, somewhere in that ninety eight percent. Ain't how it works, people. That's what Paul's saying. He said, ain't how it works. Ain't how it works. You don't, you aren't made right by the good deeds you do. Watch this. But now the most important 11 verses in the Bible, and then we'll pray. This is powerful, people. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're on here. So Paul just said, we're dead and we're hopeless. Our good deeds are not going to save us. So what is what will save us? What will make us right with God? Verse 21. Ooh! But now, but now something new has happened. Something new has occurred in the ministry of Jesus. But now, apart from the law, not related to the law, the law didn't do this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So something new has happened that the law and the prophets didn't, didn't make happen, but they pointed to it. They were like, this is coming. This is going to make you right. One day, somehow, sometime, some way, this is going to happen. The law and the prophets didn't do it, but they pointed to it. Verse 22, what is this righteousness of God that is apart from the law? Verse 22, this righteousness is given. It's given. It's not earned. It's given. Through what? Faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The righteousness of God is apart from the law and it is received. It's given by faith in Jesus Christ to who? All who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the good news, man. This is the gospel for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But watch this. And all those same all the same all in chapters one through two and a half. Paul said were dead in their trespasses and sins, which are all of us Jew and Gentile alike. That same all are now able by faith to be justified, to be made righteous through faith in Jesus. 
Verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. This is how he did it. This is how he made it possible. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Christ shed his blood and made us at one with God. Who paid the penalty for all that sin that happened in chapters two and a half? Jesus did. Jesus did. His sinless, precious blood. You know, back in the day, we used to sing the song. Back in the day, back in the day. Down at the cross where my Savior died. <laughs> Down at the cross where from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. That's what Paul is saying. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. How do you receive Jesus? Do you, you rub the rabbit's foot? Do you hold the Bible real tight? Do you swing it? Do you wave it? No, no, no. You accept Jesus by faith. You say, yes, I believe that Jesus's perfect sinless life was sufficient to pay for my sin. So I put my faith, I invest my life, I invest my trust, my hope in him. Verse, God presented Christ 25 as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this, he did this to, to demonstrate his righteousness because he, in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Jesus received the wrath of God. He, he, he absorbed the wrath, the penalty of sin in his body. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is perfect. God upholds his righteous standards for justice and he also blows our minds with his mercy by paying the penalty his own penalty himself. Woo! He pays the penalty himself. He doesn't reduce the penalty. He doesn't remove the penalty. He doesn't remove his standards. He absorbs them himself. Hallelujah. So he is both just and he also is the one who justifies. Verse 27, man. So then where is the boasting? Is it in my goodness and my greatness and how awesome I am? No. My boasting is what? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We're not justified by works. We're justified by faith. Justified. Justified. <laughs> justified. We're justified. We're justified by faith. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the, and the uncircumcised through that same faith. We are all Jew and Gentile reconciled to God the same way by faith in Jesus. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Wow. Man, 
Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. Jesus saves from sin. His blood cleanses us. And um, it's not by works, man. You don't have to work to receive God's grace and, and, um, and favor. You receive it by faith in Jesus. And that's good news, man. That's good news. It's good news that you don't have to work for your salvation. It's good news that it's open to Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. It's open to everybody the same way through Jesus. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on today. You know what we do. We read, we pray, change the world. So we got to pray. We got to pray. Thanks for being on today. Linda, Tim, Bob, Lori, Clifton. Good morning, man. What's up, Cliff? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Wow. We are, man, it's hard to read this without being moved. Knowing that we are, um, we are made right by your sacrificial offering. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, that we don't have to strive to earn your approval. We don't have to stri strive to do enough good things. We put our faith in you. Lord, we believe, we believe that your offering of your life on the cross was sufficient. And we say, thank you. We receive it by faith. Thank you, Lord, for making us justified, for justifying us in a re, in a, by a righteousness that is apart from the law. Lord, I pray that um, that we might live as uh, righteous people, as justified people, as godly people, as grace-filled people. May we live with a sense of gratitude and hope and joy today. Lord, I pray for my friends, whatever their specific uh, unique issues that they're dealing with today, whatever measure of grace they need, for their day. I pray that you would grant it in abundance today. May you fill them to overflowing with peace, with power, with grace, with love, uh, with a sense of your uh, presence. Lord, we know that that makes all the difference, your presence. We love you today and give you thanks. We bless your holy name and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being on today. Thank you for being part of this. Thanks for sharing this. Really appreciate it, man. Romans chapter three. What a powerful, powerful word. You guys have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, please help us by spreading the word about the podcast. You can do that by giving us a thumbs up, subscribing, and sharing it with your friends. You can also find me, Pastor Terry, as well as Bayside Church in Safety Harbor, Florida, on all social media platforms. The church you will find at Bayside Church SH. Again, thank you for being with us today and for sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.